to our podcast with super fans Rose and Sam and Malika too. She's undecided if she even likes it. But we watched our game and talk about it because it's fun. We probe the wormholes, yes we do, because we have nothing. Better to do so. Listen, here's our show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Probing the Wormhole, a Stargate discussion podcast. I'll be your host today, Rose, and as always, I'm joined with my by my lovely co-hosts, Sam, a superstar, <laughs> superstar. Yes, I am a superstar. I'm also a super host too, and a super fan, and a super fan. <laughs> Definitely a superstar as well. And I'm Malika. I'm just a superstar. <laughs> Today we will be discussing Secrets, episode nine of season two of SG1. Warning, we will be discussing rape in this episode, so viewer discretion is advised. So we start this episode in the briefing room. We see the MALP screen and we see Kasuf from Abydos. And we learn that it is one year to the day on Ab- of Abydos years since Daniel had ordered them to bury their gate and unbury it on the one year anniversary and he'd bring Sharae back. So now he has to go back and tell Sharae's father that he hasn't given up, but he hasn't found her yet. And Jack and Sam are going to go to DC for their medal ceremony and Teal'c and Daniel are going to go to Abydos. We then go to the gate room. We see Daniel dressed in his robes, but Teal'c is not. I don't know why he has to be wearing his robes. I didn't understand that at all. At all. Maybe it's a sign of respect. Then why wouldn't you have Teal'c do the same thing? I don't know. (laughs) I think Daniel's pretty excited to go back. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get my robe back on. (laughs) My scarf on. (laughs) Tell her, my wife's father, that she's now inhabited by aliens. Yep. Kasuf meets them in the gate room. Daniel asks for his forgiveness for returning without Chere. And Kasuf's like, hey, come this way. And we, da-da-da, big reveal, see Chere there. Super prego. And she's pregnant with, with Michael Shanks's kid, right? That's his real life yeah, girlfriend. I, yeah, I did have a question about that because it she's very noticeably pregnant. Like there's a big bubble there where her stomach is. But then later on, when after she has the kid, it looks a little more flat. I wonder if they emphasized the bulge to make her look more pregnant. I kind of like the fact, and this is talking about what happens later after she gives birth, but I like the fact that she didn't have like a flat stomach after giving birth because lots of movies, lots of TV shows, a lady gives birth and all of a sudden she's got her six pack back. That does not happen. Not that I had a six pack to start with, but it doesn't happen like that. So then we go to credits and then when we come back from credits, we're back in the Abydos tent. Teal pulls a zat on Sheree. Daniel and Teal are like, hold up, we're in danger. She's a ghouled and there's a lot of confusion on the part of Kasuf who's asking what is going on. I was kind of surprised that she hadn't told her father that she had been inhabited by a snake. I mean, doesn't he have questions about how she she turned up? Yeah, I wonder, and you don't really, you don't really get what happened before this. Like if she just comes through the gate, if she gets beamed down, like she couldn't have come through the gate because it would have been buried, I think. Or if she gets like beamed down and is just pregnant and nobody asks any questions or she has some kind of cover story because he doesn't understand the gold thing until Daniel tells him. So we get the explanation that she is still inhabited by the gold Aminette, but the gold is, I guess, dormant while she's pregnant because if she wakes up, the baby will be stillborn. So you get the sense that this is not a usual scenario. But, but it seems like they had to have encountered this situation before because they knew that if Aminette was awake and alert it would hurt the child somehow i'm still not clear how that happens i think apophis has probably tried this multiple times like it doesn't seem like sheree is i mean she's special she got picked out of all the other naked ladies but i think that he's been trying to do this for a really long time a lot of raping probably went on then yes there's a lot of rapiness dark side of stargate And we find out later, you know, once we revisit the kid situation, 
I mean, it's pretty rare, right, to have this kind of kid who's the child of two gold hosts and that kid has like certain memories and power and all that. And I don't think we've encountered one and I don't think we encounter another one. So I, I think it's, is it frowned upon or not allowed by the system lords? Maybe, because it does give that child yeah. a lot of power over all of the system lords. Right. And then we have Daniel acting kind of like a little shit for the rest of this scene, asking if Apophis is the father. Sheree is crying. Daniel sort of storms out. And then we go to DC. Maybe we should cut him some slack. He He's now in the situation that Tilk was in in the last episode. Yeah, but this is totally different because Sherry had no choice. I mean, she's a rape victim. I mean, I think both these women are completely justified in what they're doing. But with Dreyek, at least she's like, I need to provide for my kid. I am choosing to nullify my marriage vows with Teal'c and marry this guy, knowing that it's Teal'c is going to be betrayed because it's something I have to do. So, okay, Teal'c can maybe be a little upset about that. Sheree was taken as a host against her will and raped by Apophis, right? It was only after she was pregnant that the uh, the gold sort of went dormant and she has no choice in this. I mean, she's a rape victim and he's acting like she cheated on him. And I think that's disgusting. But I think that's that's the initial knee-jerk reaction that Daniel is having in this moment because he does recover a bit of later on. Yeah, and he doesn't blame her. I mean, he says later, you have nothing, there's nothing to forgive. But I think the thing that annoys me, so I, I don't know that he's necessarily blaming her, but she has been through a lot and he is clearly prioritizing his own emotional needs over hers and that really rubs me the wrong way like as, as upset as you're as you i understand your wife has been missing she's been kidnapped it's horrible things have happened to her and now you're seeing her again and knowing she's going to be taking away from you again and being traumatized all over again it's rough i get it however rough it is for you it's worse for her and you're being a jerk and teal kind of calls him out on that he's like sorry more sorry for yourself than you are for sheree so i just i don't know and maybe that was the point was to make him a little more emotionally complex about this but it's like get your shit together <laughs> be there for your like traumatized wife please rose i see where you're coming from and i think that husbands and boyfriends in real life of rape victims have a lot of complex issues and they're all different but when we look specifically at daniel who daniel is the shitty personality of Daniel. Do you really think he's going to be like, I love you from the very beginning? He's only going to think about himself because he's an absolute narcissist. So I didn't expect anything more. And the fact that he, and this is a little bit later, is playing with sand while she's in the hut. And when Tilk is talking to him and kind of calls him out on his shit, that was so Daniel feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for myself, you know, boohoo me. So, so I guess you are like, yep, this is perfectly in, in line with this character. And I'm a little disappointed because I expected better. Yes. You expected like normal people. <laughs> Daniel. And I guess I somewhat, I don't forgive him, but I understand this initial reaction of his, but it's only because he does get a little better throughout yeah. the episode. Yeah, no, he does. He does improve. I'm just, just, it's a, it just, it breaks my heart for sure. Right. Cause I think the way you could, you know, the actress plays her, you can see the pain and you just kind of want to be like, Daniel, like, stop it. You're right. You know, be there for her. That's what she mm -hmm. needs. Yeah. It was a difficult scene to watch more <laughs> difficult than the convulsing child. <laughs> so then we cut to DC and this is really rare, I guess, in that there are two parallel storylines here that don't really intersect um and usually that's not how sg1 episodes are sort of organized so we have sam and jack in dc walking down the steps talking about dc o'neill's as he always gets lost and sam's like oh this is my own stopping ground we learned that she was there at the pentagon for two years then they go to this fancy schmancy schmoozing party and we see Hammond there in his fancy uniform and Hammond waves Sam over. And that's when we see Jacob, Jacob Carter, Sam's father, turn around and she says, dad, right? And then that's the end of that scene. It was so cute seeing them walking together down the steps. <laughs> I, knew you gonna, into the party. I knew you were going to ship that out. <laughs> so it seems like there are, you know, they are in military uniform. They are still, this is a professional event. It's not like a social party. But to me, it, it seemed that their relationship through this episode is much more friendly and not, like he calls her Sam throughout, which he does not do on base. And she calls him sir, like she always does. But it's it seems like there's much more like a, hey, we're off, we're off, we're off the clock. Let's, let's let loose a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. 
definitely more of a loose vibe going on. What did you think, Malika? Did you read any shipperness into it? <laughs> this point, and there's another point where they, um, their eyes lock. I, I was like, ugh, we're going to have to talk about ships. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a lot of cutting back and forth between Abydos and DC. So we're, now we go back to Ab Abydos and this is where we have Kasuf comforting Sheree and Teal trying to like do some damage control and gives Daniel a little talking to. And he suggests that they need to take her back to the SGC so they can access her memories. And Daniel's like, hasn't she gone through enough? And Daniel doesn't care that the memories that she can possesses could save Earth. And then Teal's like, listen, dude, pull your shit together. You are wallowing in self-bitty. You care more about yourself than her. Going back to Earth may help her because it may find a way to keep that gold suppressed or removed or whatever. If you, if we leave her here, she's only going to be retaken by the gold and rejoin up office. Stop thinking about yourself and your little pity party. And it, he does seem to listen to that. But I did want to talk about like, so, you know, we talked about the sort of arc of Daniel and Teal's friendship and like how we go from Teal really being a primary, having a primary role in, in Sheree's kidnap and implantation and how him and Daniel had to go through a process of like rebuilding their relationship and trust and forgiveness. And he's kind of confronted with it here, Teal'c. And yet you don't really get too much of that in their interaction. You mean between Daniel and Teal'c? Yeah. Yeah, you don't. You get absolutely nothing. You get more between him and um, Sheree. Do you think they've talked just off camera? <laughs> about this or are they just repressing their feelings thoughts about this situation with them and their past i think they did it was just too personal for us to watch all right fine yes. yeah then we go back to dc and we have jacob and sam hugging nice little family reunion and hammond saying how he invited jacob himself because he thought he would want to be there to see sam getting the medal from the president and so you get the sense that jacob and hammond are kind of friends right they're or at least they're peers they used to serve together they call each other by their first names and all that then you have jack bringing sam a drink that says here you go sam which again I mean, I get that they're not at the base, but this is still a professional setting and he's addressing her in front of two generals, right? And so I feel it didn't feel appropriate. It felt like a little too, as much as I like generally when they have these intimate moments where they let down their ranks, this didn't feel like a moment that that should have been the case. It felt like he should have been very professional in this setting and he wasn't. And so it just felt a little bit like off character. Off, off character. No, I, I could see him doing that, O'Neill doing that because he kind of runs away after he finds out that Jacob is her father. I think because he realized that he's being a little too informal with Carter. But wouldn't yeah. you come from a place of being more formal, but he like sees two generals and he's like, what up, Sam? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, well, but one of them is Hammond and he already is pretty tight with Hammond. No, well, Jack's not a, he's not a completely cautious person either. No, and he's not for, he's not one to stand on ceremony, but I always have the sense that he's very careful about his relationship with Sam in professional settings in particular. And I mean, maybe his guard isn't up about that yet, but especially since it's front of, I mean, Hammond, whatever, he doesn't know that this is her father, but he, but he does know it's a general because that's what his buttons or whatever are saying. I would think you'd be a little bit more formal if only for her sake. I know he doesn't care about himself, but I don't think, I think it reflects an overtly familiarity on her that he wouldn't want to have associated with her. So, yeah, I, I don't think Jack has gone there yet. So I, I appreciated the loose vibe that he had because it, it allowed for these cute moments, but yeah, I just don't, don't think he would stand on ceremony right when he walked into this group. I think him then, you know, turning around and leaving right away, like running away basically is more in character with him. Yeah, that definitely was. And I think Jacob is like, who the fuck are you calling my, like, I, I, there's this, I love Jacob, by the way. I love the actor who plays him. I think he just does a great job. And to me, he was like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> calling my daughter by her first name uh like he gets this very protective dad sense about him like he doesn't trust this guy he also doesn't believe their cover story either oh no that's very <laughs> obvious it seemed a little inappropriate that he would be probing carter so much about that because she can't he knows she can't reveal any confidential information about it what is he doing asking these questions that's a good point he is a general he should be he should know better but I don't think he was asking these questions to like find out about Stargate and see her 
clandestine activities. I think he was trying to belittle what she's doing so that he he could be like the the dad on the white horse who rides in and says, let's go to NASA, right? I pulled all these strings. You can be an astronaut. So I don't think he was probing to get info. I think he was probing to be like, what you're doing is not what you always wanted to do. But before we move on, this is what I want to talk about. O'Neill and Carter are up for the air medal. The president is there. The generals are there. Family is there. What the fuck? They are supposed to work on this top secret confidential program. Why would you give them a medal? Why? You don't give like, you don't give like um, Navy SEALs who take out the leader of Panama or something like that. You don't be like, let's give them the Medal of Freedom in, in the White House. Like, no. no. Did, they, did they give the Navy SEALs that took out bin Laden? Did they give them the medal? But I think they wait until they retire or they stop doing clandestine missions. I watch a lot of true crime. I don't know why, but they, if the person is, if the cop is, is undercover, they pixelate their faces. They don't let them speak their regular voice because they have to keep going, right? Because what they do is secret. Is the president going to get up there and be like, I'm awarding you, Carter and O'Neill, this air medal for saving us from aliens like how are you supposed to keep this secret if you're gonna put a medal have a medal ceremony it just didn't make sense i don't think the air medal whatever they got is comparable to like a purple heart though i think it's just for doing a good job but doing a good job doing what now space reader telemetry analysis which is crazy <laughs> which is crazy I'm just saying. Oh, go ahead, Sam. Oh, I was just going to respond to Malika's earlier comment. One of the questions I had was why her relationship with her dad was so sour. I didn't quite understand that dynamic, but I think Malika answered that question. The dad wants to be the white horse or <laughs> he doesn't want to be the white horse. He wants to be the man on the, the white horse. Yeah. Ready? I mean, he's pushy as fuck. And like, and we learn a lot more about the relationship going forward and more about their history and stuff. But he he wants he wants her to do what he thinks she should do, right? I, believe me, I have family members like this. And she's saying, I don't want to do that. And he's like, but you should. And because you're not, I'm going to take it as like a personal insult. And so I could see how that wouldn't lead to a strained relationship. But she still loves him, clearly. Like she wants him to, you know, not be so, I guess, distant with her. Like when, when she says no, and he like basically shuts down. And you can see that that hurts her. But I, I did like how Jack is like, peace out. I'm going to go to a bar. <laughs> I know that we're here for a fancy party with like all of my military superiors. I'm going to check out and go to a bar by myself. See you later. That was very O'Neill. And then we saw as Jack is like cutting and running as fast as humanly possible, we see him walking down the steps and the dude who turns out to be Armin, the journalist, looking at him. Then we go back to Abydos and then we have this scene between Sheree and Daniel where Daniel tells her he loves her, hugs her, and says he's nothing to forgive. So he sort of gets over himself and is there for her. And she, Sherry talks about how ashamed she is. So there's so many rape parallels here. Like, and I, I think it must have been intentional, right? Like, I mean, she was literally raped by Apophis, which is how she got pregnant, but also the violation of having been taken over by a ghoul and ha not having control of her own body and all that. And you can see there's a lot of feelings about that, both for her and for Daniel pretty heavy for Stargate. It is pretty heavy. And they don't acknowledge it like explicitly, but it's obviously implied that she was raped. I mean, you yeah. know. Well, they can't. It's a family show. Yeah. And I wonder if that storyline was, I wonder if the fact that she was pregnant gave them the storyline or if they were going to do that storyline anyway. I think, I mean, I don't know what happens in the future with this baby, but I think they probably already had this idea because they could have hidden her stomach. You could put like a basket of fruit in front of her, right? Have her stand behind some flowers or a donkey. Just put her in those robes. They hide a lot. Right. Or do the episode two months later when she's not pregnant anymore. So, and then Daniel says she should come home with him. Then we go back to DC and then we find out more. This is a conversation between Sam and Jacob where we found out that he's pulling some strings in NASA and she's like, stop doing this shit without talking to me and all that. And she really pushes back. And then he basically says, all right, and leaves. And then we go to the bar where O'Neill is drinking by himself in the middle of this party. <laughs> and we find out that this journalist, I couldn't place this actor, 
I think he was on X-Files. Yeah, he looks really familiar. Is somebody going to Google him? Chris Owens, who is from Canada. Shocking. Yes, he was on the X-Files. He was on The Expanse as a scientist. He's on uh, Mayor of Kingston or Kingstown. I don't, Kingston, which is out right now. That's a Jeremy uh, Remmer thing. He was like talking about it from his hospital bed. So we find out that this journalist, Armin, I didn't catch his last name, Armin, has a whole lot of dirt on the Stargate program, has a recording of O'Neill and Sam talking about the Stargate program and is going to run a big story. And Jack, without missing a beat, does his denial routine. Comes off very convincing to me. And then we go back to Abydos. (laughs) Wait, before we do that, what was Jack doing when he offered him his already, his almost empty beer? (laughs) <laughs> then said he hadn't touched it. I mean, that's like a that's a huge asshole move on the part. I think of he was that. trying to be a big asshole. He wanted to throw him off the scent and be. <laughs> and, I mean, it's not going to work. He's if he's a good journalist, he's not going to be like, oh well, this guy told me to drink his backwater or backwash beer. I'm I'm just going to go find another story. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that O'Neill was being like, you're not going to get any information from me. There's no such thing. And I'm going to shut you down and make our interaction uncomfortable. I think he did a great job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was doubting that there was a Stargate program. (laughs) Yeah. I think O'Neill knows how to be a complete jerk when he wants to be. So then we go back to Abydos again, and we have more Sheree and Teal'c and Daniel and Kasuf interaction, and they're talking about whether Sheree should go back and maybe they can find a way to keep the gold from coming back. But until they do, she would be their prisoner. And Kasuf says that Apophis would return and destroy the village if she's gone. And Teal'c's like, eh, just tell him that another ghoul took her. And he's like, sure, okay, go with them. <laughs> Playing a little fast and loose with like the entire survival of your village, I thought. <laughs> but but it, it makes sense because he was there during the conversation where he said his prized daughter was going to be living locked in a cage on a different planet and he didn't say anything. So he seemed, yeah, a little fast and loose. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, go with them. And then Dan's just like, you can't just order her to go. And he says, I'll, you, I'll only, I'm not going to make you, you come if you want to come. And Sheree says that they, that she will go with them. And Teal'c says, we have to leave now. So then we are back in DC again. And Jack comes back from his little sojourn at the bar and tells Hammond about the leak. And he agrees that they have a problem. And that's like a 30 second scene. And then we're back at Abydos, right? Yeah, there's a lot of cutting. Did they smush these two storylines together because they didn't have enough for each storyline for the 48 minutes or so? That's a good question. If they sort of meant them to be parallel, because they don't really overlap at all. The only way they really over, or they're, the only way they're really parallel is they deal with like family drama mm-hmm. on both planets. And they already used the title family, so they couldn't use the family <laughs> to tie the, the story in together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if they, I mean, because neither of them really is its own story. I, I guess you could have had Abazos be its own story and just added a lot more drama to it and had the whole team be there. But I think it's more like introducing storylines that we then come back around to later. That's how I felt. This was like a springing off episode. This little baby's origin story. And I guess Tilk really couldn't go to DC anyway. No, I don't think that would have flown. <laughs> but, hi, Jacob. Hi, Dad. This is my colleague, the Deep Space Radar Telemetry Facility. <laughs> he would have been perfect because they would have put a hat on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tilk and hat. What hat would go with that kind of formal event? Top hat? <laughs> Little like with a full tails tuxedo and everything. He couldn't wear any military hats, and then nobody was wearing any military hats in there. What about like a beret? Would a beret cover that? I don't think it would cover it. It doesn't go far enough down your forehead. Okay, how about a page boy? <laughs> okay, you go like right here. So you'd go like old school style suit with a page boy. That would fit. That would fit. Like a like a tan plaid. <laughs> With elbow patches. I don't yeah. even think they make jackets like that big enough for Tilk. <laughs> big and tall store, for sure. So then we are back 
on Abydos. We have them trying to go through the gate to Earth, and then we have dust falling from the ceiling, and turns out that a gold ship is approaching. Oh, and then Sherry turns, flashes gold for a moment, and Teal pulls his at, and Daniel swats it away. He, what he, he tells her, like, oh, he, he grabs her face and tells her to fight it, and then she comes back and then collapses and is in labor. Teal doesn't get to finish dialing because the rings come down. They shoo Shari away. And then your favorite Malika, Harrower. Harrower. <laughs> rings in with his Jaffa dudes and orders them to find Apophis's queen. So how does he know that she's there? Rumor. <laughs> we never really get any explanation about that, right? He just, Harrower just shows up. Conveniently. So the oncoming ship triggered Amenyet and also the labor is that what we're led to believe? I think Amanet surfacing triggered the labor. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if she surfaced because of the ship or because she was trying to stop them from taking her. Okay. Because it is it is another trope that women just suddenly are in labor. Snap <laughs> <laughs> your fingers and you're in labor. But if you throw a, a sci-fi edge into it, I, I could I could buy that Amanet triggered the labor. Yeah. I think when you have a gold inside of you, the rules of labor are a little different. Also, the like you go into labor and then like 20 minutes later, you, you're so far in labor that you have to give birth in like the taxi cab or whatever. Like that rarely, rarely happens. Usually you're in labor for like 40 hours. Yeah, there's a lot of waiting. They mm-hmm. don't tell you about all that waiting. I know. And you're like, what are you supposed to do? They're like, I don't know. Like I, both of my labors was like in the middle of the night. I'm like, I can't sleep. Although I really wanted my epidural and I didn't get one. I really didn't think I wanted one. And then when I got there, I'm like, give me fucking drugs now. But they did give me fentanyl both times. And let me tell you, that shit is awesome. Yeah, awesome. I had, I had the same thing. I can understand my clients. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm like, hey, listen, if I had access to that every day, yeah. it'd be a different situation. I, I think I can get you guys a bed over at Harbor Light. <laughs> You know that fentanyl kills. You don't, might be just thinking that you're using meth, but it could be some fentanyl. Did they put fentanyl in meth? Yeah. To up so you'll come back. To get you addicted. No, you're already addicted. I mean, nobody just walks up to a drug dealer. Yeah, I know. So then why why would you cut meth? I can understand cutting meth with like something that's not drugs to like make it so you increase your profits, but why would you cut drugs with other drugs? Well, because then- whoever has the best drugs are going to make the most profit, right? You're going to like, this shit's awesome and go back to it. Yeah, but meth and fentanyl have opposite effects. So if you're looking for meth, you want to go up and fentanyl makes you not go down. So it seems like you'd have a less intense meth high, right? It it doesn't seem like it would cancel each other out. I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) We now go back to DC and then we have Hammond and Sam and Jack in this empty room talking about the leak and Hammond posits that it's probably more likely political than someone who's part of the program linking. Although Jack does say it could be any one of hundreds of people. That's a lot of fucking people. I just don't think you can maintain the secrecy of a program like that with that level of knowledge. It, it just that people just aren't that good at keeping secrets. And as, as so I listened to an interview with like Prince Harry or when I'm not making an hair show. And his, he made this good point. It's like, it's not that it's not who you trust. It's who the people you trust, trust, mm-hmm. right? So let's say you totally trust your staff and you, they know about your stuff and you trust them not to go to the press, but then they tell their wife because they trust their wife and their wife turns out not to be trustworthy. And so it, that's what it just doesn't, I don't think that you could keep that level of secret among that people. So it's not surprising that something like that would get out. Oh, and then they, so then Hammond says that civilians sign NDAs, which make them liable for prosecution under the Espionage Act. <laughs> okay. I know that we can't, we're, this is an audio show and you can't, everyone can't see you both violently shaking your heads to that statement. <laughs> what is the problem with that statement? Well, it, an NDA is just monetary. Yeah, I think they're just com- like you can't an nda is a contract that you sign so you could be sued if you violate like like all these people who like trump makes everyone sign ndas and they violate it to write a book he could sue them you can't be prosecuted for violating a contract so we go back to abydos and now sheree is full-on in labor daniel is helping her through it 
Teal'c says that it's the ship of Herwer, not Apophis. And then Sherei says that Herwer is the enemy of Apophis and will take the child. And Teal'c's like, we're not safe. We have to leave. And Daniel says he's not leaving her. And Teal'c says, okay, fine. I will do what I can to protect you from Herwer and his forces. And there's a lot of lovey-lovey, kissy-kissy between Daniel and Sherei. So he's now stepping up to the plate. Well, mm. I'm, I don't know if I'd give him that much credit. He is kind of stepping up to the plate, but Daniel has a history of really liking to get in there and birth babies. <laughs> That's <right>? true. <laughs> so if, even if it wasn't Sheree, I think he would be like, flip your, flip your burlap sack back. Let's pull this baby out. That's right. This is his third. No, second. No, he's, did he say he helped out? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he did it once in in like the Yucatan. Yeah, <laughs> which I found very unbelievable. <laughs> and then once with the baby rapist planet. Okay, so then we go back to DC. We have Jack sitting outside trying to get the journalist's attention so we can find out more about what he knows. Journalist dutifully comes and sits next to him, and they go into this very witty banter where they're each trying to pretend that they don't know what the other one is doing or like pretend that they play along knowing what the other one is doing. And turns out he knows quite a bit, (laughs) goes through everything he knows, including the blasts in the night sky that were really ghoul chips blowing up. And O'Neill's like, all right, you run that story. Let's see how it works out for you, which he's kind of right about. Let's say he didn't have this unfortunate end. And he published, so it doesn't, I don't know if he has any documents, right? If he has documents or video or whatever, let's say that might change the, but if he just has a source who's telling him all these things that are completely accurate, if he publishes that, who's going to like, people are going to be like, you're fucking kidding me. This is, this is nonsense. Or would any news outlet like publish that? National Enquirer. Yeah. Which is nobody takes seriously, but it doesn't matter because he kind of bites it at the end of the scene. So was that an accident? Hammond says at the end it was. It is. It was not an accident. When Hammond says it was an accident to O'Neill, he's trying to relieve O'Neill of the burden of carrying this this death on his conscience because it is O'Neill. O'Neill ran straight to Hammond and is like, "This journalist is going to blow our cover," and then the guy dies like a couple minutes later. No. This was not an accident. But what I don't understand is why you wouldn't just grab him off the street and take him to to some black site or something so you can find out who the source is. Because you have somebody in there who's leaking information. You kill one journalist, the source is just gonna find another journalist. So it seems like- Or maybe the source is like, fuck, I got this guy killed. Maybe I should shut my mouth. Or maybe the article has already been written. But it's actually on his computer. That's definitely been wiped. It just seems like he would have told another newspaper person about this. His editor would probably know. And his editor could then run the article. I just don't see how killing this one reporter will stop this story in the tracks. And I don't, I mean, it's illegal to kidnap people, American citizens on American soil and hold them without due process. I know that doesn't stop it from happening. But But so is running somebody over with your car. (laughs) (laughs) that's illegal too but at least that's plausibly deniable right you can be like accident and we don't know anything about who was in the car or whatever i don't see hammond being involved in this if this was intentional no i don't either but he could have like called somebody after this conversation and said we have a problem and the other person's like let me look into it and we don't know what that other person did so who do we think tipped off the reporter do we think it's Kinsey and his crowd? Maybe. I mean, that's what Hammond thinks, right? Because I would see Kinsey and, and his people yeah. killing the reporter. But then why would they kill a reporter exactly. if they're tipping them off? Yeah. So do we have another evil faction within the There's military? Bayborn's faction. Right. And, and they're not exactly, I mean, didn't we talk, they're not exactly working with Kinsey. They're kind of sometimes, they're just evil in different ways though. Kin- I mean, Kinsey's like the political guy who's trying to shut down the program. I, I would say Mayborn could probably do it. Okay. Because so he, he's interested in the sinister secret research weapons stuff. So Kinsey killed off the reporter oh, and Mayborn killed the reporter. Killed the reporter, yeah. Why would 
Mayborn or Kinsey kill the reporter? I mean, if they if somebody in their group or them were the source, they wanted this story out there, right? Who didn't want this story out there? I think Mayborn wouldn't want the story out there because he, he doesn't care. Like the more, once the story gets out, assuming that anyone would believe it, you then have accountability, right? Then you have like a public demanding answers. They want to know where money is going, what's happening, what, you know, and so you can't run these like crazy, creepy secret experiments and kidnap aliens and keep them in black sites. It's harder to do that. So I, I could see him having an interest in keeping it secret. Yeah, you'd also have other countries who want to take part in the Stargate program too. I'm just saying, I think Hammond did make a phone call. I don't think he said, put somebody, put one of the privates in there to run this dude over. But I do think Hammond made a call and somebody else took care of this. I think it's too much of a coincidence. So poor Armin dies. And then we go back to Abydos and we have... Harrower, you say it much better than I do. Harrower, in the gate room, asking you know, telling his his Jaffa to take the queen and her child alive. Then you have Kasuf being questioned and tortured by a Gould, and he has not given up anything. And then you have Teal come in and shoot the Jaffa. So Teal is Teal is running around pretending to be on everyone's side here and doing doing just a perfectly good job of it. How did they know to look for the father? I mean, how, how, did, how did they know? Okay, we just don't know. None of this is explained. I mean, how did Harrower know that she was there? How did he know that she was pregnant? How did he know that it was Apophis's baby? Like, none of this is explained at all. I think this whole episode is all about snitches. There's mm-hmm. a snitch on Apodos. There's a snitch in Washington. They should have called it snitches. Snitches. <laughs> snitches get stitches. Yeah. <laughs> Literally so we go back to dc and now we have the sam and jacob where is it it's like this empty classroom i don't know everyone's talking in this empty classroom (laughs) or why there it's there but that's where they are turns out the medal ceremony is going to be canceled because o'neill witnessing this accident quote unquote accident um and that is where jacob tells sam that he has cancer and she's upset and he's like yeah but really because i have cancer you should be an astronaut and i'm gonna live i only want to live long enough to see you fulfill my dream for you which let me tell you is some fucked up parental manipulation parents (laughs) are the worst at guilt trips like right before he said that he had cancer i was like he's gonna pull some shit out he's gonna be dying or something that i mean how can she not be Okay, daddy, I'll be an astronaut now, uh, now that you're dying. That's some bullshit. And so she's like, yeah, still not going to do it, but let's talk about you dying. And he's like, no, I'm good. See you later. So she's she's (laughs) really upset and crying out while looking out the window. He's like, don't check up on me. (laughs) God, kind of cold hearted. Yeah, you get a lot of, okay, so Carter, what we know about her, now we get some family backstory. Her choice of romantic partner is the lunatic fringe, right? We had Jonas Hansen and then a few suitors at the SGC. But you can kind of see where she gets this fucked up, I don't know, at least these fucked up attachment issues. But yeah, she has a dad who who is like really pushy, distant, withholds, withholds his affection if she doesn't do what he wants her to do. Unavailable. Yeah. Her dad's unavailable she all of these guys that she's been dating are unavailable even o'neill is unavailable like wasn't there that young guy remember he was like making eyes at her simmons yeah yeah that he was available that's it and she didn't want to be with him but like that that silver guy with the schrodinger's cat remember (laughs) nareem nareem He's unavailable because he disappears and walks through walls and disappears, right? Although he was very emotionally available and she was into it, but she wasn't like in love with him. So that's interesting. She goes for the emotionally unavailable type. Or physically available. Or or literally available. (laughs) They're on a different planet. Other planet. (laughs) She needs to get some therapy. Yes. Agreed. 
So then we are back at Abydos and now we have uh, Sheree still on labor and she doesn't want to push because she knows as soon as the baby is born, then she's going to be taken over. It's so awful. This whole thing is like what they're doing to this woman is just awful. And she says, forgive me. And then her eyes flash gold and you hear the baby cry and it's a boy. And then Teok wearing his Jaffa helmet kidnaps the kid pretending to be a soldier for Harrower and they bring the baby to Kasuf and they tell him to go into hiding with the baby. And then what does he say? He's like, I need a nursing woman. He's like, find one that you can trust. And who's not afraid of hardship. <laughs> Where are you supposed to find that person? Can you nurse my grandson that you don't even know you're not supposed to know exists. And also we're going to be on the run. So deal with it. Who's going to sign up for that job. What about the, the roofie pizza people? Those ladies seemed really happy. But they can't handle hardship. They're young and happy. I think they would provide some milk. Hippies. The Knox. The Knox. I don't think the Knox are, I don't see breastfeeding for the future for the Knox. So I guess Amanyet saw through Tilk's disguise, right? Because she. No, I think she thought that it was Harrower who stole it. Because she tells Apophis Harrower stole the baby. Well, but then, but then why wouldn't she say something when she saw well, Tilk and Daniel? That is the whole, that's what Tilk said. It, it's like the, the sign that, that Sheree is still in there. See, I don't think it's Sheree. I think it's Amon yet. And Amon yet wants to make sure the baby is taken care of. So I, I think she saw through the, the ruse, Tilk's ruse, and she knows they have the baby. But why wouldn't she want that baby to be with her king? Because um, Apophis is going to use it as his host. And so maybe she's feeling some motherly affection for the kid and wants to, to not have that happen to it. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, that's just not how I was feeling about it. I didn't like that part. I mean, because it's so it's so confused when she's being let off. Is she um, the Gawuld or is she Sheree? And it's not like you can chalk it up to her fighting it for just those couple seconds when she's walking away. I think it's Amen yet because Sharae just went through labor. She's probably a little tired. I don't think she has enough energy to then- The gold heals her. Yeah, the gold is healing her. Yeah, but- and She's but walking through the Stargate like an hour after giving birth. Well, because Amen yet slept for nine months. She's all- She's all she's rested. All she's like- yeah, one of those like um, really good naps where you wake up, you don't know where you are. <laughs> You're full of energy. <laughs> then we go back to the SGC. Then Sam and Jack get their medals from Hammond for destroying the gold ships. And they have to have 10 minutes. <laughs> so they get their medal all dressed up. Then they got to change and go to Abydos because ex Daniel's expecting them. So they they know nothing about what's happened, right? They just think this is a normal, we'll meet up with you later situation. And that's where Hammond tells Jack that it was an accident and Jack is clearly not buying it. Then we go to Abydos and we have the showdown where Tyrk marches Daniel into the gate room where Harrower is and tells him that the Apophis has taken the child and Daniel's like, hey, let's have an alliance. And Harrow's like, you're nothing and you'll be my slave. I'm not exactly sure what Teal's plan here is. Me neither. <laughs> it, I, the only thing I can think of is that they knew exactly when Jack and Sam would come through that gate. Because that was the only reason why Daniel is not dead from the hand of Isaac. Yeah. Well, why would he march Daniel in there at all? He wasn't like captured. Like Teal, okay, so they take the baby, give the baby to Kasuf, say go into hiding. Why does he then take Daniel? Why wouldn't he just tell Daniel to hide? And was was Harrow were just hanging out in the gate <laughs> this entire yes, time? Yes, he was. <laughs> That's the only place you see him while he's sending Jafaz out to look for the the baby. I don't know. I, none of that made sense. Like I don't know why. Why why don't you just come back without Daniel and say I'm still looking for the baby? Give me ten more minutes. <laughs> or give me another two hours. Well, well like if you know that SG1 is coming eventually, and also you you know that SG one or Jack and Sam are coming, but they don't know anything. And so aren't you worried they're gonna gate into this room and be killed? <laughs> Maybe that was he's like, I have to be in this me and Daniel have to be in this room when they come through so that we can make sure they don't get killed or captured. They didn't have any spare Jaffa outfits. 
for Daniel. So he has to go. But it's like, there's no way he could have known that's where they're coming through because they were supposed to be in DC. Yeah, I know. Right? So that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little muddled. Well, he gets really lucky and they come through and then he sort of takes out the Jaffa right as they... And also Apophis comes through right after them. So how does he know that this gate activation is them and not Apophis? In which case he's definitely dying. I do appreciate that Jack also is very confused throughout this entire <laughs> It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, let's take cover. And then he like takes out a bunch of stuff himself. <laughs> uh, he tries to shoot at Harawur, who has his little shield on. Um, and then he does that cool thing where he throws the knife right into exactly into his ribbon device. That's some very accurate knife throwing, which like makes it all dysfunctional. And then uh, Harrower gates or rings away. Well, it, it takes like what a, ten seconds for these <laughs> rings to come down very slowly. <laughs> like I would think they could try to neutralize him even more, right? Well, he's the shield. What are you supposed to do? You can throw a knife at his, yeah, right. Get another knife and throw it at his like chest or something. He does say you will pay for this insolence, which is the gold catchphrase. And then very timing precisely, Apophis. (laughs) So Harrow rings out, he's out of there, doesn't get anything that he was looking for. Then Apophis comes in and then Sheree meets him who's now Aminette and says the baby was taken by Harrow, looks right at, Tilk and ja- and Daniel and doesn't give away their position. Can we talk about this outfit that she's in? Was she where was this outfit? Was it hanging up in the hut or something? Exactly. I mean, like that's what under what circumstances did she find herself on Abydos, right? Like, did she come as Eminette and then Eminette like goes to sleep and she takes off the headdress and puts it away for later? Oh, it's very elaborate. <laughs> it's, it'll be noticeable if you walk it down the street. A lot of unresolved i mean she's been there for months right assuming it still takes nine months to have a baby even when you're goldified right that's a long time if you think sheree would have like thrown it away and be like fuck this yeah <laughs> you have to meet your king naked <laughs> she could have been making it i'm sure there's a water source and it looked like there were shells and i'm sure uh, <laughs> there is a hot glue gun in the village <laughs> it took her nine months to do this arts and craftsy project i liked it yeah so she goes through the gate looking all fancy and she looks at them doesn't give away their position they leave now sg1 is left to be like what the fuck happened jack asks daniel if he's all right he says no but he will be and they go through the gate end of episode what can we retouch on what's going on with sheree so she's already a rape victim, right? And now the Gawuld is back in her, Aminette, but she is still in there. That's why I think she was looking at Daniel. So now it's not like she's drugged and she's going to have sex with Apophis, right? Now there's an idea that she is going to be there and remember everything that's going to happen to her. Because if the baby, if Apophis does find out, I mean, he thinks that the baby has been stolen. Why wouldn't he try for another one? I do think that that would be really hard to be, to give up your wife, who you know now is fighting the Gaul that's inside her and giving it to this really horrible person. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is a pretty dark, you know, you're dealing with someone who was traumatized, who was raped and violated and is going back for that same thing to happen again. And he and he has to watch it happen because he can't do anything to save her in that moment. Or could he have? I don't know. I don't think they would have been able to take out Apophis and his Jaffa. And and at that point, Sheree was back to being a ghoul, so they would have had to fight her, too. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it's like a really heavy episode, I think, in, in a way that's like kind of subtle yeah on that note any other thoughts we have dad with cancer traumatized wife kidnapped baby dead journalist yeah yeah killed a journalist so (laughs) that cheerful note we will as we always do rate the episode so malika why don't you go first how many chevrons would you give this episode well every episode where herrera is I always have to give it at least four star or four chevrons because 
I like a man in huge gold earrings. I thought he's, I think he's great. And I also like babies. So I give it a four <laughs> just for those two things. <laughs> because we, if we talk about the plot, if we talk about the plot holes, then it would be very low. Sam. Yeah, I almost want to separate the two storylines and give them different ratings. So if I did oh, that, yeah, I would give 3.5 to the Abydos storyline and then five for the DC storyline. Now, if you average those out, it's like four-ish. So I'll just do four chevrons. The, the Abydos storyline had too many plot holes, too many questions about how did they know about this? What was Tilk's plan? What was Tilk thinking of? On the other hand, the DC storyline had Carter and Jack interacting, really cute interaction. I also adore Jacob as well. He does get better, even though he is still like the dominating father. So yeah, four chevrons. I'm going to do four also. Yeah, I, th I think I agree with you. I mean, they're, they're two very separate stories. I love Jacob Carter. I love how we get introduced to him. I think I love Carmen, Ar is it Argenziano or Argenziano? who plays him I think he just really captures the character really well and and knowing that we do see him again and his character develops a lot from this point kind of makes me very fond of the when we first meet him in this episode so um I like that part I also just really like when the the team gets out on earth other than the SGC like you get to see them interact on earth with like regular humans <laughs> I think it always sheds light on their character I also struggle with the Abydos part of the episode it's I mean on the one hand, it does, there's a lot of heavy emotional stuff between Daniel and Sharae and, and Teal to a lesser extent. So you get some of that worked out, but it, it, there's so many plot holes and it doesn't make a lot of sense that it's just kind of hard to really wrap your head around. So I think four is a good average out. And if this episode was made today, how might it be different? I, I was wondering, would they still slap these two different storylines together in in a current modern episode? And I think they still would because most viewers have pretty short attention spans. So I think they couldn't dwell too long on one story. I, I think they'd be okay with just cutting to another story right away. So I think they'd still keep that that uh, that structure. They would deal more with the rape. I agree. I think it wouldn't have been so subtle. It wouldn't have been at the point where we have to discuss it because it's so under the radar. And I'm talking about the rape. I do think that they would probably put it together also to launch these these two storylines about the somebody being out there leaking information and this baby. But I hope that it wouldn't be so, and I think Stargate does this a lot where they jump to another scene and it's a sentence and then they jump back. Like, give us 10 minutes, play a couple scenes and then let's jump to Washington, right? And let's stay there for 10 minutes. I like that better. So that's what I would hope that they would change. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think they would keep the the stories sort of, because now you do, you, it's rare that you get a whole episode about with one storyline. There's a lot of jumping back and forth and B stories and all that. I think I would hope that they'd explain more about the Abydos part and just, just make it less hard to figure out. <laughs> I don't know, like have more things sort of, I don't know, just better. They just make it better. And I think that's it. All right. So thank you for joining us. We will see you next time when we discuss Bane, episode 10 of SG-1. You don't want to miss that one. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Please like us. Oh, and follow us on Instagram at Probing the Wormhole or Twitter at Probing the Wormhole or Facebook at Probing the Wormhole. You can also get in touch with us at our website, probingthewormhole.com.